a bit about them. They're, they're our everyday catalyst, I guess, goals that we've got for the year. Uh, again, they came out of a bunch, probably 100 people, then down to about uh, eight people that crunched all the data. And we as a church said, what would it look like for us in this Ipswich community to be a faithful, fully devoted follower of Christ? And we said, that's what it would look like. Something like that. If we pulled that off, we'd be on our way. We'd be on the journey. In fact, I'd say you'd be pretty close, to be really honest. Those 12 things there are exceptional goals for us to have as a church. And we've said as a church, this is what we want to aim at. We want to shift our mentality from just people going to church, that's enough, to, like we're talking about today, are people Bible reading and journaling? Because these are some of the things that will make a dramatic difference to your life. Now, important to say, we are a grace-filled church. If you don't stack up to every single one of those 12, you know, are you out? You know, is that bad news? Of course not. Of course not. We're all covered by grace. Myself put my hand up first. But as the famous saying goes, no perfect people allowed, right, in church. None of us here are perfect. But don't stay that way. You know, that's the plan. The plan is to keep moving. The plan is to challenge ourselves. And so that's what this is all about. You'll see there's a fridge magnet on the back. You can whack this on your fridge. Now, one of the plans is don't be overwhelmed by these. Uh, There's no way anybody here is going to pull all 12 of these off this year. Our thought is we're going to preach through this list. And as they're highlighted to you, you'll jot one down. I reckon you'll be lucky to pull off three Um, or four at at most maybe less that's fine and there's even space for you to say right in 2016 this is the one that I'm aiming at so no one's overwhelmed and no one's beat up and today you'll see the first one there on the list a really important one says this as a follower of Jesus I will commit to regularly engaging in scripture at least four times a week and in the spiritual practices that will help me grow personally and in my relationship with him with him I don't know if you've ever struggled in your Christian, Christian walk. Again, I would say every single one of us have days of difficulty in our walk. But what I'm going to share today can make a dramatic difference in your life. I, I say that unreservedly. And we're talking about Bible reading and journaling regularly because our Christian life was never meant to be just about a Sunday. Famous passage of Scripture I'm going to share from out of Hebrews 12 verse 4. But I want to fast track through Hebrews and see what that passage of scripture is all about. So Hebrews 12 verse 4 says this. Sharper, sorry, for the word of God is living and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. We've heard that passage of scripture before. Beautiful passage of scripture telling us that the word of God digs down inside of us, exposes things, opens things up. And uh, we all know that we need exposing from time to time. But what I want to do is just, before we talk about that passage of Scripture, I want to say, why is it there? What is, what is the, that sharp double-edged sword? What does it actually do? Well, we find out some things through things as we map our way through Hebrews. Firstly, have a look at this. There's this word at the beginning there. The very first word is the word for. For the word of God is living 
and active. Now, what is that all about? You've got to take notice of that little joining statement for. I, I heard from one scholar this week said that you could write the word because there. Now, if the word because is there or for, you start to go, why is that word there? It's answering a question. Because the word of God is living and active. Okay, all right, because it is. But, but why? What, what's the question it's answering? To find that out, we look at the verse before, verse 11. Let's find out what the Word of God does in our life. Of course, what I'm trying to do is remind us why this is so important. First part, let us therefore make every effort to enter the rest. There's our first key. The Word of God helps us enter the rest that we're invited into. Now, I happen to know that Pastor John is speaking on this next week. So it follows along, but here's the first key to entering that rest, to entering the grace that's available to us, to entering uh, a life of peace. Who wants peace in their life? Michael was talking about it. Worries and troubles come at us. We're promised those things will come. But who wants a peace that goes over the top? That's what the rest is talking about, walking in God's grace in our life. Okay, that's what the Word of God does. Look at the second part, so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. So two things, rest and it helps us not to fall away. This is what the Word of God does for us. Rest helps us not to fall away. I remember when I was about 12, in fact it was interesting, on Friday night I actually saw two, uh, Friday night, Saturday morning, I saw two 12, 11-year-olds return back from youth ministry here and our youth guys do fantastic job Tim and the team again and both of those kids were talking about how they were prayed for they had a revelation of God one of them said I felt the presence of God and uh, what a beautiful thing for our young people to feel now I remember when I was about 12 having a revelation of God and just experiencing his presence and then it dawned on me that I might walk away from God in my life and I remember being saddened about that. And I remember going to my mother, who was always a fountain of wisdom for me, and saying, Mum, what if I fall away? What if I decide not to be a Christian? What will happen then? And my mum simply looked at me with maybe the answer you've got in your mind, but she said, well, that's up to you now, isn't it? And I remember thinking, what a great answer. What great wisdom she has. But it spoke to me. It was like, that's not going to happen unless you let it happen. And this is what we're talking about here today. Maybe that's your concern. How do I know that I'll walk this walk, that I can stay the journey? Well, the Word of God tells us how we don't fall away by reading His Word, because it's sharper than a double-edged sword, okay? So this is how we don't fall away from God. So it's our cho choice. But there's something more. It says we can't follow their example of disobedience. Got lots of keys here. Who is them? Well, it's the Israelites of old, which essentially is us, Christians of today, that they represent us. Now, they walked away because of their disobedience, not following the commands of God. Now, moving fast, we find in Hebrews 3.19 that they couldn't enter their rest because of disobedience and because of unbelief. Okay, so we're looking here. How do you enter the rest of God through the Word of God? What stops you doing that? Disobedience 3.19 tells us they didn't believe. They didn't believe. Uh, another word for that is they didn't have faith. 
is really where I'm going here. But we don't have to be like that. Look at Hebrews 4.2. For we have had the gospel preached to us just as they did. But the message, and if you were underlining, you could underline that word. The message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. That word message is a powerful word. It's the same word that's used in Hebrews 4.12 when it says the word of God. That's just translated as message in Hebrews 4.2. It's the Logos word of God. So what this scripture is telling us is they had the word and we've got the word, but they didn't combine it with faith, with belief. Remember, it was belief that caused them to fall away. So all of this explains the how. The message, the word of God is so valuable when we combine it with faith, it keeps us from disobedience, sin, falling away. And this is where I want to talk. I'm just talking briefly this morning. The Word of God does two things or two points. Firstly, the Word of God activates faith within us. It activates belief in our life. It gives us the opportunity for faith. The Word of God activates faith. I, I, as I was continuing to work on this message, I might have changed my slide to the Word of God gives us the opportunity to activate faith because there's something about faith that belongs to us. I think the two work together. So back to the top again then. The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Now there are so many, there's so much richness in that passage of Scripture. But the point to all of this is the Word of God comes down and it penetrates us. It it it. It delves so deep within us to the parts that we don't even know. Who here knows that you don't fully understand yourself sometimes? I certainly do. Sometimes I struggle to go, what is going on in me? I, f- I found an interesting thing. We, Jess and I were on holidays when the Australian Open was on. And uh, we would watch the post-conference, post-match uh, media conference with the players. And I saw like Serena Williams or Djokovic being asked a question. You, we've all had this experience, but they would be asked a question and sometimes they would go, yeah, um, might be about their future or something. Oh, yeah. And that, you could see them trying to delve down in here and grab the answer and sometimes they couldn't. And they'd say, I'm not too sure about that. I think maybe this or maybe that. Hmm, that's the best answer I can give you. And isn't that the way often? We're not even sure what's going on down in here what our heart and our soul and our mind, all of these things mixed together, what is going on. We live as Westerners so up here. We think this is where it's all going on and it's not. But the Word of God digs deep down and it exposes what is really going on. The the things that we've brushed over, the things that we've made excuses for, or maybe the things we condemn ourselves about, but whatever it might be, The Word of God gets below all of that and digs into our heart. It separates all of these things. It it, it explains things. Now, understand this. Their ultimate problem was, though, that they didn't combine the Word of God with faith. We've got to remember this faith element in here. Sometimes we think the Word of God just tells me where I'm right and I'm wrong, where I'm good and I'm bad. The Word of God definitely does exposes those things but much of the time we know where we struggle 
But what the Word of God does is it gives us the chance to say, I found some unbelief in that area of your life. I found an area where you are not trusting God. And that is the question we are asked every single day. That was the first question Adam and Eve were asked in the, in the garden. Can you really trust God? That's the number one question you'll be asked every day of your life. And the Word of God digs down, exposes some things and says, here's an area where I don't think you understand that you can trust God in your life. It exposes it, gives us the opportunity. It shows us I have the opportunity to activate my faith here. Because they didn't combine it with faith, but we can do that. His word exposes these things. Hebrews 3.13 says, Don't be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So sin lies to you. Sin says a bucket of things. Let's make this a bit more real. Let's move from theory to practical. Sin says, I've got to dress, teenage, young females, I've got to dress like this to attract boys or to attract my boyfriend, otherwise I'll lose him. That's what sin says to you. It lies to you. The Word of God says, you don't have to do that. You can trust God for your life, for the future of your life. You can activate faith. It's actually a faith step to dress decently. It's not just a moral choice. It's a faith step. Sin says to you, you've got to cheat on that test to prove yourself. Sin says to you, that person thinks this or that about you, so you need to protect yourself by hating them. Mm, good point, sin. That's a good point. The Word of God comes in and it exposes that. And it says, by faith... Trusting God, you can love that person, even if they do hate you, even if they're saying those things about you. Sin says you need to wallow in worry, as Michael was talking about. Sin says you need to get out of this marriage because life is miserable. Sin says don't speak up about that issue at work, but continue to be dishonest you know, about that thing that you can really see because you're worried about your job. Now, the Word of God comes in to all of these things and all the rest of them and presents truth another way, invites you to rest in His belief and you can feel faith rising up and obedience, you can choose His way. See, the only reason we sin is because we believe the promises of sin, right? We believe the promises of sin. I'll get the boyfriend, I'll keep the job, I'll be successful. The sin has been lying to us our whole life. It's the same question they were asked in the garden. Will I rely on myself or will I rely on God? And it is often short-term. It's an often a short-term success. Uh, to avoid stress, I'll do alcohol. I'll do drugs. I'll do that party. I'll do pornography. That's, that's sin's lie to you. And the problem is, when we're young, oftentimes these lies go deep down within us. That's why you just can't have a conversation. You just can't read a book and free yourself of these things. Because they're deep down. But what does the Word of God do? It penetrates deep within us and exposes these things. Again, not to condemn us, not to just show us that we're bad people. The enemy can do that. But to expose the promises of God, where God will take us, how God is, how good God is, how much Jesus loves you. And then you see these things from the Word of God and faith rises in your heart so I can be a different person as I combine the word, the truth with faith and trust in God in this moment, whatever the situation is. 
My superannuation's going down. I need to worry. I need to be stressed. The Word of God will speak a different message to you. Sin will leave you in despair. My own story is when I read and journal, I often find this, often find challenge, like many of you will. I, I often see the reminders of junk in my life, but you know what? I, I can't remember a time where I feel worse. I always feel better. I always feel challenged. I always feel like a call. I feel like a distant call to something better and bigger than myself. Not in my own effort, that's self-help, but with the effort of Christ, with trusting Jesus. Help me. I believe you. I trust you in this. I sense hope. And that book, that Bible, when you start to read it like this, helps you recognize the lies even before they come. You start to see that. That's a lie, that, that decision you want me to make right now. That's a lie of the day. It's short term. I've seen that lie before. I'm going to activate faith right now. Okay. And the final thing that I want to say is that we activate it via diligence. Hebrews 4.11, let us therefore make every effort to enter this rest. And how do we enter the rest? Verse 12 tells us the double-edged sword and all that. So we make every effort. Now sometimes we can say, hang on, I thought this whole God thing was just given to me. It's a free gift. Yes, it is. But you make every effort to open that gift, to take a hold of that gift. It says it right there. You know, the Greek word there, it's my new favorite Greek word. It is... Spadazo. Everybody say spadazo. And you can feel what it means, can't you? It means fast. It literally means be quick, be diligent, go at it. Don't hold back. Get it done. Spadazo it. That's what it means. It's incredible, isn't it? I'm going to start saying it to my kids. Kids, spadazo, here, you know. But isn't it great? Spadazo, this is how important it is. Man, the Bible is saying, make this one a priority. Spadazo, fast, because it matters so much. You hardly ever see the Bible in a rush, but you see it in a rush when it comes to applying the Word of God to your life. You know? And I I just want to mention this. We always add journaling in here because reading is awesome. But I think journaling applies it to your life. It helps you meditate on it. It's a whole nother point in itself. But meditating allows it to sink down into your heart, into your soul. Now, what do we say is necessary? This is what the stats say, four times a week or more. or more, Four times a week or more. They actually say if you're only doing it two or three, it doesn't have that life change on you. But four is somehow the magical figure. I guess it's the majority. John Piper says the Christian life is a life of vigilant use of the Bible to stay believing in the promises of God. You know, in my experience now in the Christian walk, it's rare for somebody to be loving God, worshipping God, connected to God and just fall away like that. It just doesn't happen. Why do people do that? Drift away. They read less and less. They forget the promises of God. Faith isn't being activated in their life. They're They're falling out of love with Jesus and what he's done. And less and less until it honestly becomes a distant memory and they've fallen away and they don't even know how they got there. Starting talking new age philosophy. I can fix myself, you know. I could go on. But we vigilantly use it. We spadazzo it into our life. In November last year, we had a look at the health of our church. 
And we found this, 43% of our church read the Bible four times a week or more. It's not too bad on the surface of things. But considering this is the number one habit to grow in your Christian life, we can do way better than that. The Center for Bible Engagement, they spend their life looking at this. They say the number one thing you can do for yourself spiritually is read the Bible four times a week or more. Read this frequently and your life looks completely different to those who don't read the Bible. That's it. That's the stat. That's not the only people that's revealed. There's plenty of other people that have come to the same conclusion. Now, when we look at journaling, those that get to read twice their life, we're at 12% as a church, uh, four times a week or more. Only 12% of us do that. Apparently, we used to be up around 50% as a church, so we've fallen away on this habit. And uh, we're saying as a church, let's make this the number one thing we aim at this year, personally, for us. Let's get that right back up to that, well, let's go for that high number. A survey of a, fa- a thousand pastors were asked. A thousand pastors, if you could do one thing, one thing alone, what would you do to help people grow in their maturity of Christ? This is what they say. Uh, they would inspire encourage people to read the Bible. Specifically to re- reflect on Scripture for their meaning in their lives. Incredible. That's the number one thing, and I would heartily agree with this. So, I've taken my time. It activates faith, but we have to own it. We've got to do it. Right? We've got to be diligent. Just want to move on to uh, a reading plan that we're launching today. We've been so blessed by the Life Journal reading plan, but as technology and reading plans evolve there's there's a number of great ones out there we just want to suggest maybe it's time to freshen up for you and uh, we'd suggest uh, the own it 365 plans there's a whole number of plans there you can choose from whole bible just the new testament we're saying a, one of their plans this is our suggestion as a church is called the one story plan and it basically journeys uh, the story of scripture each day and sort of ties the Old and the New Testament together and we're going to watch a clip just about that right now. Own It 365 offers a number of unique Bible reading plans designed to help you read through different sections of the Bible. Each of the plans are designed to have you read six days a week and then on the seventh day to rest or reflect or to catch up on that week's readings. One of the plans is our one story plan. That's our medium sized plan. This could also be called the easy parts of the Bible plan. It's designed to take you through all the key stories of the Bible and show you how those different stories are actually one interconnected story. They're God's story. And quite often you'll read that day the story in one part of the Bible and see what God has to say about that, his own commentary, much later in history. That's the one story plan. Another plan we have is the whole Bible plan. And that's our longest Bible reading plan. This gives you the best shot possible reading through the entire Bible by dividing the Bible into two readings a day. You'll read one from the Old Testament, which can be more difficult sometimes, and one from the Wisdom Books or New Testament, which is easier to understand and apply to your life. Each day's readings are designed to balance both the amount you read and ensure that on those more difficult days, you have an easier section to read and understand and apply. That's our whole Bible plan. A third plan is our New Testament Plus plan. This is our shortest Bible reading plan. This takes you through the entire New Testament, one chapter a day. But instead of reading in the traditional order, you read the plan by author. 
That is, the plan begins with all of John's writings together at the start of the plan. This gives you a different perspective than other plans. In addition, each week you'll read one chapter from the Old Testament, a chapter that was referenced by the New Testament. And so we hope you enjoy the Onet 365 plans. They're designed to give you the best shot possible at reading major sections of the Bible, understanding it, and applying it to your life. All right, so I'm sure your next question is, how do we sign up? Number of plans, we're recommending the one-story version. These will be handed out for those that want it at the door as you leave. This is the actual paper version of the one-story plan. And on the back, it's got all the information about how do I sign up with a phone? Is there an app? There is. There's actually a discipleship sort of hint section that goes with it to help you understand what you're reading. Absolutely brilliant. Here's the other thing that we're incredibly blessed with connected with another church in Australia that's doing uh, One Story and they have beautifully done a journal for the One Story plan uh, that links that day's reading and a number of questions so that you can just basically fill this out. They were kind enough to sell us 20 to begin with journals and uh, I just encourage you, I think that that is a great way to do it. They're only $16 and they're available from the Resource Centre. So that's another option if you're just wanting to go and a very simple way to ask the questions and just lead you through the plan just like that probably sense I'm moving fast because I want to hand over to these guys that are now going to talk about what it's been like to Bible read and journal so can you give them another hand as they uh, take over now okay good morning um, as a church we encourage uh, using a soap method of reading, reading and journaling. So SOAP, S-O-A-P. And um, I've been doing this since I was in youth. So, you know, it is, it's been a very easy and helpful and almost tricks you into finishing off all your devotions and journaling. So I'm going to actually give you an explanation and step-by-step step on how to do that. And we're going to get examples from Matt, Lauren and Ange as we go through. So S is for scripture. So Basically, opening up the Bible um, and using your reading plan like Carl suggested um, with this or I find um, I use my version app on my phone. So much so I went to open the Bible this morning and went, how do I use this again? Um, because I use it on my phone. I just want to <laughs> clarify that. <laughs> um, and so it's opening up the, the scripture and then reading it and, and finding something that particularly speaks to you. So um, it might not happen straight up go through it again and find something that jumps out, something that makes sense. It could be a sentence. It could be a whole paragraph. Um, find something that jumps out. So, guys, Matt, do you want to start? What jumped out to you in that scripture? Uh, that hello? Carl gave you? Yeah, the other one, yeah, Revelation yeah. one. Yeah, oh, the Revelation, yeah. No, what no. jumped out? <laughs> the dragon part jumped? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, I, verse 2 is what I journaled out of, so it was... He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So okay. that, was, that was what jumped out at me. All right. And Lauren, uh, did I, you get the same verse? Or? Close. I oh. did uh, verse 2 and verse 3. So verse 3 to add on says, you've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Okay. And Ange, what did you get? And I went the next one. Verse did five. you? Yes. Uh, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Okay, so that's scripture. Um, next one is O for observation. 
So what is happening? What did you observe in this scripture? Was it a song of David, a you know, prayer of Job's? Was it a parable, a story, or was it a sons of who's of who's of sons of who's? Um, what is happening, basically? And a, spir- a spiritual principle. What is the spiritual principle out that you've seen? Um, if you're not sure what to write, the key is to just start writing something, you know, about the vine or, you know, and after a while, you actually start to find that you can write more and the more you think about it and meditate yep. it, the more God speaks to you in that observation. So, Ange, do you well, want to start yeah. with observation? In verse 5, the analogy of the vine and the branches uh, was really what yeah, just stood out and for me, I put that in just simple words, he can be trusted. So if I'm, in, if I'm the branch and I'm in the vine, I have to be able to trust that he's going to provide. So, yep, that's simply, okay. he can be trusted. Yep. Lauren, how about you? What did you observe? Uh, I guess for me it was looking at how if God's the gardener and he's the one that's you know, pruning and purifying the vine that we need to be aware of God doing that in us, but then also how, yeah, Jesus says that by receiving his message and his salvation, we've already had that done. So I guess kind of the two different aspects of let him, which is kind of application, but I will let you go on. (laughs) Great. Matt, what do you... Uh, Mine mine was similar to Lawrence in that it sort of focused on the pruning. Like, it's sort of an analogy about the vine and that sort of stuff. It doesn't talk about the watering, it doesn't talk about the fertilising, it talks about the pruning and how that bears fruit so I guess it's about the fact that you know there are periods where there's going to be pruning uh, but that's for a long-term benefit it's for more effectiveness in, yeah. in God okay great so that's observation and a for so uh, no a from soap is application which is actually my favorite because this ties it all together um, and basically you personalize what you've read to to yourself by asking yourself how it applies to your life. Could it be an instruction, an encouragement, revelation or corrections for a particular part in your life? Write the scripture, write how the scripture can apply to the situations that face in your day and can it help on that day, that specific day, what's happening in your life that you could apply it to. Now, if you struggle to do that, try putting yourself in that, putting yourself straight in that scripture and asking, uh, what is Jesus asking me as I'm reading this? What, what would he be saying right in front of me? Um, and how, how could that help me? Um, now, be careful because it's not always about your business or your family or your ministry. Sometimes it's just about you and what God wants to say to you. Um, and not necessarily how it applies to your husband and how he could learn something from it, but actually, not that I do that, um, but what is he saying to you? Write it down and believe that the Holy Spirit will actually guide you as you're writing down that application. Sometimes it may be a great revelation, simply that God loves you, um, but don't worry either way, just write it down and get into the habit of it. So application, who wants to... Yeah, Lauren? Uh, I guess, as I was saying, it was kind of the two different aspects for me. So one of them was I need to be aware of, um, of God as he continues to refine me um, and shows me, I guess, what needs to be cut away so that I can become stronger in him. And then also, I guess, yeah, verse 3, the fact that I need to remember that I don't have to earn that. That's already been given to me as a gift. Great. Yep. And? Um, so the last part of 
verse 5, for apart from me, you can do nothing. I just think that that spoke to me uh, in that, you know, apart from him, I can do nothing. This is pow- a powerful truth. And I think the sooner we accept this, the, the sooner we can move in his strength and not in our own. We start to move in his strength, his love, his power. So I think um, for me, it just shows me I have to tap into his anointing, not my own. So it's just, yeah, that's it. And Matt? Uh, I guess for me, it was, yeah, about the pruning again. So periods of pruning sort of look, from the outside, it looks like you're hurting, hurting the plant, but you're actually doing it for its benefit. Uh, and your, the other thing was pruning sort of comes with the season, so it's cyclical. So we're going to have those times in our lives where, you know, it might be difficult or hard or painful, but this passage is helping me remember that God's the gardener. He knows the seasons. He knows what needs to be done in those seasons, and, and he's basically in control of it. Okay. Great. So that's application. And then next is P for prayer. So how, asking God simply, can you help me apply this to my life? today or um, asking for greater insight if you weren't actually sure you know what that scripture was saying asking for insight and how it can be relevant to you and you write it down remember that it's a two-way conversation with prayer so as you're writing make sure you're listening to him and um, and seeing what he has to say to you with that so prayer Matt what was your prayer my prayer was just simply dear Lord thank you that you are in control that you are the gardener Lord, I ask that you help me to, be, to not get frustrated or just endure the pruning times, but that I'll be able to let you work through me and move towards increased fruitfulness for you. I pray that you help me to be an encouragement to others while they are going through the pruning process times themselves. And Laura? Uh, mine was, uh, God, help me to see the parts of me which have been or further need to be cut away and help me be refined and pruned further where you've given me skills and opportunity so that I can be more fruitful for you. And mine was simply, Father, help me to be aware in every moment that you are the vine and I am your branch. And I do, don't do this in, my, in, in and of myself. Yeah. Great. Okay, so that's soap. Journaling done. And you can think about that throughout the day. Um, you know, keep that prayer during the day. Um, how if when you remember it during your lunch break or something, you can actually um, reflect on what you had read, if you do your journaling in the morning, that is. so. Which I guess then comes to more questions, just asking these guys who have been journaling. Um, what is the benefit, Matt, to journaling to you? What, what do you find the benefit is? Uh, definitely makes me feel closer to God and it gives me sort of, I feel empowered by it and feel equipped, I guess, uh, for the day, the times where where I haven't journaled or I haven't really done devotion at all, feels like you're sort of aimlessly sort of fighting through the day. Whereas after having with devotions behind, like I do devotions typically before I go to work. So what it, however that looks, if I'm working a normal day shift, I'll do it you know in the morning. If I'm starting at night, I'll do it at night before I go to work. So it sort of it just helps me be in that mindset of being sort of in tune with God. It also opens up the door to communication with him. You're actually being proactive in saying, I want you to lead me today. So, yes, opening that door. Lauren, do you benefit? I was essentially going to say the same. I feel like I'm a lot more in tune with where God's leading throughout that day. Okay, great. And what about um, when do you do it practically? 
What? Morning. Uh, morning? At the moment, morning, morning. yeah. Yep. And then you said just before work, is it yeah, helping so with your routine? Of, yeah, part of the getting ready for work yep. routine, so, you know, an hour before work. Okay. And um, what does the, has the seasons of not reading look like? We kind of touched on it a little bit, but um, Ange, when yeah, you're not reading? You know, when my children were really little, I found that time extremely difficult to get devotions in because they need your attention. So, but what I didn't do was give up. I just kept pushing through and trying different things and, and I have now set up a chair. So wherever I am, uh, I have a chair that I sit in and everybody in the house knows, don't disturb me when I'm sitting in this chair. So, yep, that works for me. That's one of my seasons where we've established that. Uh, I guess for me, I find that I feel a lot more rushed when I don't because I think it's really easy to go, I don't have time, I need to get ready for work, I have to go somewhere. But I've found that now that I've properly worked it into my routine of in the morning getting up, getting ready and doing that before, I actually feel like I've got a lot more time to get everything done and get throughout the day and I don't get irritated as easily, which is always helpful. Yeah. For everyone around yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and is it always easy? I, I find that sometimes when I know that there's something I've got to deal with, like a bad attitude, um, I just want to let it sit there, but God doesn't. And it, I can feel him tapping me on the shoulder, come on, come on, let's deal with this. And, and when I do, it's always better. He takes that away. But, yeah, it's not always easy. I, I want to avoid it sometimes, yeah. yeah. Okay. And can you share a personal example of how you've been challenged in your journaling? I can actually yeah. had this happen last night. Um, I was reading out of Exodus 17, and it's, I guess, the story where Moses struck the rock to bring out water for the Israelites. And I was just reading it, and normally I see it as this awesome, you know, this miracle and something's happened, and God showed me that the only reason God let Moses do it was because the Israelites weren't trusting in God's provision. Um, he shouldn't have had to show that. And I guess it reminded me that there are a lot of things in my life currently that I keep crying out for God to prove that it's going to happen and show me how it's going to happen. But I guess God has already said that it will happen and I need to trust in that, not ask him to keep showing me how. Yeah. Yeah, no. I guess one for me recently was only a couple of weeks ago when I sort of had a bad shift at work and then I had about five, four days off. And those days off, I hadn't really been doing my devotions because it wasn't part of the routine. And I was just stressing about that previous shift. And then when I started devotions again, the day before I started working, it was just saying to be anxious for nothing. And it was basically just, if I had have just stayed with it, yeah, if I had have stayed <laughs> with it, I wouldn't, yeah. have, wouldn't have sunk into those, that anxiety over those periods, of th those days. And it sort of it was di direct reflection of, of not having that, that purpose because I didn't have the devotions over that time. Great. Ange, did you, do you have a challenge you want to share? Uh, I, think, um, I think it's really interesting that the challenge that, that I have is often I think that the, it's the big things that will keep me away from the word, but it's actually the little things. It's those little distractions, little interruptions. In the big seasons or, or issues or difficulties, I'm in the word, but it's it's when, you know, life's just sort of plodding along and it's easy. It seems easy that I can just get distracted, yeah. 
Um, now, last question for Ange. You've begun this one story plan that Carl was speaking about. Um, yep. how, what do you think of it? I love it. I think um, what I love about it, I'm an organised, structured person, and I love that it's got the little dots that you can just tick, tick, tick. Love that. Uh, helps. It just makes it really simple, really easy. And even if you're not an organised person, it'll help you because you just tick away. It's all there. It, it allows you to uh, add notes, to highlight, copy and paste so yeah it's just really easy especially if you're using your your iphone or an ipad but you don't have to you can just journal straight into a journal which i do as well so yeah great actually i forgot one question logistically how do we journal because uh, you all seem to have a little bit of a different way so matt you use your computer i yeah i use a hard copy bible for the reading and i type out my journal itself um, I'll, I'll use a book to write. Um, I kind of swap between paper, Bible and phone. With the plan, I tend to use my phone, but if I'm, I guess, needing to dig deeper into something, I'll usually go the hard copy Bible. Yeah, and I'll use the phone to get the reading and straight into a journal. I like writing. Great. Nothing like a pen and paper, hey? All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for that. And over to Carl. All right. Give him a hand. That's actually way harder than it looks and I think they did an exceptional job I really I really do and you got through all those questions in a timely manner as well so miracles are happening here today well I uh, just uh, another reminder grab a hold of these as you as you go out I mean of course if you're sort of interested uh, I just want to warn you on the back it talks about how to sync the plan that's not that easy so if you want to talk to any of the staff we all went through it on Tuesday uh, we'll, we'll tell you how to do that. You're not alone in any of this. And again, a reminder about the journal. Let's just pray as we finish. Heavenly Father, we thank you for, you know, you don't leave, the, leave us on our own in this life. You don't just say, get it right. But you give us just such great tools. You give us your son and you give us your word. Uh, it speaks in a supernatural manner into the depth of our heart and soul. Uh, and God, we're so thankful for that. Lord, all of us here would say we need help on that journey, though. God, all of us here fail, uh, don't get it right. And uh, we, even in that effort, need your grace and your power in our life to carry us along. And uh, God, we just call out to you. We pray for a fresh revelation, a fresh enthusiasm to just be obedient in this simple command that you give us. So God, we, we leave it with you and uh, we'll do you know, everything that we can to follow along. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, one of the best things that I heard said there is just don't stop. Just y if you mess it up, y you don't journal for maybe a week, two weeks. Pick it up again. Sometimes you think, oh, I'm such a bad person. I just, I just got to stop. No, pick it up. I know my personal journey was a journey of one day a week, two days, and it just continually went to the point where it's such a habit now in my life and so many people would have a similar story it it's really i think a, a bit of a god wink that tonight pastor philip is going to be sharing pretty much on this exact topic but answering questions giving a chance to practice it taking it to a, a deeper level it won't be just on soap but talking about the word of god and that's in our deeper course and you can sign up for that at the back down at the connect desk otherwise we're done for today uh, have a fantastic day and for many of you we'll see you at five o'clock tonight as we begin our courses. Thank you.